Welcome to our uh, episode of Bensil Talks, where we talk to innovators and change makers on innovation, sustainability, and things which concern the society. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, Jatin Singh is the founder of SkyMet Weather, which is one of India's first private uh, weather companies. I've known Jatin for about 10 years plus since I used to work with Will Grow, and we look forward to having a good interaction with you, Jatin. Hi, thanks. You too. So, so Jatin, everybody is now talking about climate change. Climate risk is becoming a major concern. Your thoughts, how companies need to look at this? Because earlier it was looked at as an issue in isolation. But given the pandemic and the way things have panned out in the last year or so, people are now beginning to take this more seriously. And climate risk will be one of the things which investors will also be very concerned about. So if you can share your perspective on this. Oh, absolutely. I think when it comes to, you know, how companies should take a look at it, you know, so the way climate change has evolved, you will see a pecking order. So okay. the, the governments that have been taking it seriously for the past 20 years. Okay. Then it turns right. into a food security issue and a national security issue. Okay. Then it is going to percolate down okay. into businesses. The two businesses that are most affected by this, that really need to collect data and start creating a climate and, and a strategy against climate change, are anybody that is an agri mm -hmm. all across the value chain. Okay. It could be seed, it could be fertilizer, it could be farm equipment, it could be uh, livestock. It, they're all linked okay. and energy, especially if you're into renewable energy, because the volatility in okay. climate, you know, if it uh, if there is no wind or there is no heat. Uh, you know, it, it creates a problem in, in the right. and the financial risk they take. And then slowly and steadily, it is mm -hmm. going to come down to more consumer kind of oriented, uh, where the links uh, will become more tangible, if, you know, from restauranting to, um, you know, say wedding season or, 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 or those. But that is the, the pecking okay. order of the fact. Okay. 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 So what you're saying is the government and the UN and some of the activists started looking at this and now we are seeing the impact on a consumer level. So consumers yes. are talking about it because of the pandemic or the food uh, you know, see, security issues and yeah, things like that. So food security, the price of food, uh, water availability, you know, how do you use water with the supplies volatile? I think one thing that is becoming clear is that is drought and flood cycles. So sometimes there's a lot of it, sometimes there's less of it. Um, it seems that it has been, see our, the global GDP is about how much you produce, the more you produce, the more carbon footprint you have. If you do not have That's carbon right. footprint to produce, the more you produce, it's bad. So for example, if you're going to build a highway into Chardham, okay, four okay. lane highways into the mountains, obviously that is going to have an impact because, uh, you know, you're going to lose a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a, a virgin forest cover straight away. Right. But, so right. do you not want to have, a, I mean, honestly, human beings are not good for the planet. <laughs> the earth could do with fewer roads, with fewer cars, with fewer factories, with fewer, I don't know, let's take something like disposable fashion. When okay. I was growing up, my dad would have one or two blazers that he would buy, you know, so, you, you could do so a lifetime. To be a luxury. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, blazers, and it, and it would be a lifetime. Now you have disposable fashion, which is using dyes, chemicals, a water, a power for every time you go to the mall. So your water level is now, and this, and, and this is a footprint that is right. supposed Absolutely. to be for the rest of the developing world. Most people are not into disposable fashion just yet. So are we not, do we not want to have our Uniqlo's and our mm -hmm. Zara? It's a very clear, do, does, do human beings want to be poorer mm. for the health of the planet? 
you know that is the argument okay so uh, jatin you made a very important point that human beings are not good for the planet the fact of the matter matter is we all need to coexist and i think that's the bottom line but as as we all know from history and example that you know humans don't learn uh, from the past mistakes so do you think this time is different what we're seeing in terms of the noise and in terms of not slowing down things and you know all of that i don't know i mean the fact is of india and china continue to grow and you know okay. gandhi would say that you know if these countries would grow like uh, like the western countries or model themselves then yeah. the earth needs to worry because a billion people cannot consume like americans mm-hmm. so I, okay you know, that a lot of this a lot of climate change show talk to reduce uh, you know your temperatures by 2 degrees celsius by 2030 these are statistics okay right. what it actually means is we will buy fewer cars we will build fewer houses we will have fewer corporate towers we will consume less power and less electricity is that acceptable to financiers and stock market and businesses is there a model in which surpluses uh-huh. are created which are not necessarily linked to burning of uh, fuel i don't know maybe there is maybe technology will provide you that virtual wealth as opposed to tangible you know brick and mortar wealth which consumes resources maybe so 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 then coming to the point jatin uh, uh, we've seen a lot of enthusiasm from global investors to push businesses to become green and look at esg compliance so do you think that will start a trend that will force people to look at things differently also the shift from uh, looking at the pnl to triple bottom line where you look at planet and society do you think that is the push we need and that would really take things in the right direction i don't believe on any bs called triple bottom line everybody wants pnl nobody rewards you for triple bottom line esg is a european okay. thing you know we will cross the bridge when it comes to it uh pnl okay. is it is up to the values of society of what people think okay okay just uh, turn things around is about what we value as people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like you know so for instance i i'll give you a very simple example so there is this whole sure. talk blue ocean or uh, uh, ocean wealth and you know exploring our coastlines and and you know that's right yeah but do you understand that because we have somewhat of an underdeveloped coastline the sea life on on the coast is is relatively rich so if you have rather big polars then there is no fish life mm-hmm. so you know so so the, and the moment you do that then smaller fishermen that do with that do with less are out of work okay and no. then move take away take away my fish life and at that uh, uh, rate then the ocean chemistry starts changing oh 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 so very almost you know that I, i think we have that's what i said we have to find ways to create wealth without disturbing you know earth Cons- just consume less and make more So that's a fair point Jatin so can you illustrate this with an example uh, for us to look at uh, a country which has done that successfully or a region community something which can really be a role model because that's always the challenge between development and you know 
uh, balancing uh, the interest of the environment. I, I, I think you know it has been yet to be executed. I mean, I I will not say Europe because Europe has been ripping off Asia and uh, Africa for centuries. That is right. not a model. Neither is the United States. Neither is Japan. That nobody has figured this out. I I can have a clean country, but I will pollute somewhere else. I will build That's my engines. Right. I will get my iron ore from Africa, and I will keep my house clean. It does not exist, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it's I, I'll give you, uh, you know. Let's take the state of Kerala, okay? The state okay. of Kerala, or you know, has limited amount of. Actually, state of Kerala is not a great example because they have destroyed their ecology for uh, for other reasons. I really uh, maybe you have to take something as remote as Costa Rica. That has you know has has basically put okay. ecology. Okay. That is the only. uh country and economy i can think of that puts ecology right on top okay okay Now, uh, and how have they been rewarded for this or how so so for them you know they that keeping the ecology and and they have high value tourism is 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 one uh, example okay. i can also in a perverse sense take china because china has been reinvesting in forests and okay. massive towards renewable energy but after polluting crazily for half a century sure Sure, sure, sure. I think that's okay. what everybody okay. is now moving to. I think it's going to take a generation to really figure out that who will be able to cross the line. How okay. do I? Okay. You know, for instance, if you look at states like uh, Chhattisgarh and MP, largely large uh-huh. areas, uh, very uh, you know relatively fertile areas, unexploited areas, uh, limited amount of uh, um, irrigation. but if i start turning the narmada deeper and deeper mm-hmm. or godavari or whatever from all sides and i am able to then you know take these fields and increase the production of rice and have far fewer people in poverty then my <laughs> greenhouse emissions and you know uh, general biodiversity is gone so mm-hmm. sure. i say you know if if we we live a life of technology and 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 limited kind of uh, uh consumption consumption i think yes that's right okay let's take like bombay bombay is a small place okay it's it's a little sure. little and you're building and building, like. building you know uh, the weather in bombay and goa should be similar okay but bombay now right. it's hot right it's got high pollution levels and the influx that's into right. bombay is happening and the only way to make bombay better is to build more rather right. to pay to bombay to, to fix bombay is probably to build less Yeah, got it. Actually, Enough. that's the dichotomy. Yeah, you know, people, a rich, well-to-do, educated, seems to uh-huh. think we think that it is our God-given right to consume more. Go to a five-star uh-huh. hotel and talk about sustainable development. Uh-huh. We, I, I mean, we have children that you know do less, consume less, travel less. Uh-huh. That is right. Fair enough. I mean, Going back to the old times, as you yeah. said, you know, dad used to have one or two jackets. We would yes. stay in smaller places and local economy and things like that. Eat, you know, do I really need to import an avocado from Mexico? Do I? Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I hear this. Video absolutely, you no know, valid point. Absolutely. No, you have, you know, do I really need to have mangoes in winter? We mm. never. Or apples in uh, summer. So, I, it used to, 
when we were growing up you would have a season so bananas would come now then they would be uh, uh, mangoes yeah. will come in the summer apple because cold storage supply chain all costs right and these are not very mm-hmm. difficult choices to make you will just not have but yeah. banana in season you know but then will the farmer get less no that's right think, yeah fair enough because at the end of the day they are able to take advantage of the cold storage system the 12 month consumption and all of that and you go go back to the seasonal stuff then again you know then you have to consume from the region so that's but the fact of the matter is we have to start looking at each of our choices in terms of what we consume and how we live our life exactly fair enough and then for coming example, to the point yeah please go ahead no for example moving to a meat based diet the richer you are the more well to do the more eggs and things but the more meat based diets you have you need more grasslands you need more water that is right do i really want to energy consumption goes up tremendously goes up. it's as fundamental and some for a, for a country like india and indians our natural lifestyles are more akin to to living in peace with your ecology than this it is mhm mhm sure yeah uh then coming to the point of united nations uh, sdgs Uh, the sustainable development goals which i understand is going or relook because they don't have definitive indicators to it in terms of eradicating poverty so how do you define it and you know we gender equality and things like that so do you uh, believe that's a step in the right direction and that will have certain positive impact rajiv it has always been a step in the right direction but sdgs are linked to trade you one cannot look mm-hmm. one without the other the problem is that you know about carbon caps and i i don't know the details but a lot of that is trade negotiations between countries and uh-huh. then there you know for meat exporters versus lithium exporters to this and that i mean it's going to take a while uh, before we we come to it but before we get get into a, even sdg i think as a country we can easily decide that we will create more surpluses by creating uh-huh. a target individual consumes less indian you know the target of the individual is to consume less you can create a surplus that way also no <laughs> mm-hmm. do i really i mean i love the fact that luxury cars in this country are taxed now i was listening to that's right. what an aspiration to have for a country like india you can't have it in the us you can't have it here the uh, uh what is it called the bhumi putras have to decide that you know this is not the way to live the value system uh-huh. is it was there but you know it it gets excuse for larger things you tend to aspire for now i'll tell you uh-huh. for example encouraging tourism you want to go to rishikesh but i want to stay in a five star hotel why why absolutely why i mean why 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 would you destroy i mean you know <laughs> the ecology to live yeah. in a five star true true the government is going to tax it but i better it's better for me not to have it there no but anyway mm, mm, mm. So sure, sure. the right kinds of consumptions from parent to government to bosses and discourage mm-hmm. things that are don't are not really of value but they tend to have perceived value for luxury or whatever so uh jatin in the same context do you see a change in the millennials attitude which doesn't want to own a house not necessarily a car they want to be more mobile and travel and be more frugal uh, in terms of the consumption are you seeing some kind of a trend or a I mindset think, there yeah i think younger people are more in tune to it sharing economy the uberization of thought process i really don't need to have large oh. fixed costs 
even businesses today are moving to that direction right i don't need to have fixed costs so therefore my you know like yeah. block consumption is the, i think that exactly that that is an adaptation right you do consume you do create wealth mm-hmm. you have better lives by actually mm-hmm. consuming the right things and consuming less i mean if you see the sure. rural you know it's it's very easy to think of farmers and you know if you think of rural economy traditional rural economy i'm not saying it was perfect but if you go to village there is no waste because everything mm. why is the cow such a revered animal it gives you five products it gives you butter it gives you uh it gives you chas it gives you gobar it gives you uh uh, uh the, the, you know milk obviously actually used as i've seen it used as an organic pesticide yes absolutely and i eat what i grow yes so my base base consumptions are are more than met my water is coming from the ground or the well or whatever so and millions of people in this country live wow. like that they live i would say in many ways yeah. i again a lot of people will accuse this thought process as uh, glorifying poverty but they're not necessarily poor the calorie intake would be uh, <laughs> you know and they can consume and have better lives so that's what i'm saying you know you could do more with far less fair enough i think that's a very important thought uh, you know um, and as you rightly mentioned at a village level uh, they lead a more happier life more satisfied life less stress and i think people are realizing that and want to go back to basics i think that's one of the reasons because well, i think the excesses we have it also creates a lot of issues the aspiration of the aspiration is to create excess mm. i think this is the wrong thought process what to seed it into us uh, yeah, yeah. Like this what, when, what being success yeah and you realize this when you grow old that all this is pointless right so i hope the new generation the millennials uh, you know uh, who are leading this uh, would would actually take a note of these things and um, and i think it's for the good and the pandemic uh, whatever lessons we can learn this is definitely one of them yeah absolutely the pandemic is you know the hum- it, so it's it's obviously i mean there there are it, it is it is so skewed that for some people pandemic has been such a huge opportunity almost godly and for, for most right. people they can't make ends meet that is also a fact absolutely right yeah it is like you know you have yeah. these startups and valuations and stock market and there are people who can daily wage labor who cannot you know in love with this lockdown scared i don't know what will happen now i will tell you when the first lockdown happened near my too much too much of disparity uh-huh. first okay. we near my house in a fl- and i live in a residential corridor there were eight to 10 year old girls prostituting themselves openly on the road i'm not i'm not saying they directly oh, linked to shit level of desperation there is so that's what i'm saying when you take that index of who wants what in this country it needs to you know the aspiration has to go actually far lower because there's massive desperation so if my nature is able to provide me food nutrition sanitation you know some level of energy and i can learn and study that is consumption that is fair point absolutely right So I think it's also then a problem of excessive urbanization and you know that whole cycle. You want to make more money, consume more. So it's actually that whole vicious rut that we've got ourselves in. Yeah, yeah. And then we are convincing other people who are not in this rut to come and join it also. And if you don't do it, you're a loser. That is right. That is right. Yeah. Absolutely. 
cup of the aspiration is to go into Starbucks and have a three hundred rupee, you know, cup of coffee. Okay, sure. Okay, you go to some, uh, you know, you go to places like Tuni Chakrat in the mountains. The, you will get you you will get organic tea for ten bucks, which will be the tastiest thing you ever had. Locally, right. locally produced. <laughs> that is right. That is right, and this is all imported from Guatemala. Yes. Yeah. You know, usko main wahi package karke, matlab, you know, maybe there's an economy there. understand. you know how we weather and climate is impacting different businesses so we've been working across the value chain i i think you know as i built this business and built my career uh you need to realize that uh you know first thing we found was food that's why i understand food and agriculture and 70% okay. of uh the land in this country is uh, is rain fed rain fed agriculture and smallholder farmers are completely uh, rain dependent and all that is monsoon dependent dependent because 70% of the precipitation of this country is concentrated on those four months and therefore uh-huh. the, the the there is a linkage with the with the rest of the economy in those four months and that those four and that economy is not even measured properly so if it keeps on raining there is less desperation uh-huh. in this there is construction there is move if, if there is production there is cash and the cycle keeps on moving now our, our crop cycles are based on the distribution of rain and because we don't have an even distribution of rainfall and the monsoon starts getting disrupted and that causes a knock on effect and that was witnessed in in the last 21 years so for example between the year 1900 and 2000 there was an average one drought per decade and between 2000 and 2000 and uh, uh, 21 there've been five droughts and three below normals and now over the last two years we've seen this kind of dry perpetual drought cycle flip into extremely excess rainfall events that were not seen for the last 30 years that to uneven so if you look at 2019 you had huge yeah. amount of rain coming up in september and october it doesn't really okay. help which, which 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 in parts created massive destruction though on an it averaged it, it averaged it out 2020 huge amount so you have august that is minus 10 and then lot of rainfall coming in the end so soya bean got completely uh, destroyed so so and so I, I, or let's talk about North India today. You had, okay. you had this 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 rubby season. You had February and early March that were warm, and now every week I have a rainfall cycle coming, which is which was should have been a month ago or two months ago. Right. So my fear is that going so if this continues continues into April, you'll see significant amount of rubby damage. This is not the right time for wheat or mustard. Or for any of the horticulture crops uh, that you're working on. Okay, okay, okay. So, so uh, Jatin, so farmers are on the receiving end because they are the most at risk and they're the most vulnerable. So, so yes. you know, with Kaimet and our other initiative, you run the rural insurance uh, brokerage form. So, how yes. are you being able to manage that for them, de-risk this whole thing for them? Because I think that's the crux. Providing a lot of data free of cost. Uh, okay. Helping a lot of people, providing services with that data, where it could be agri-advising, it could be uh, lending, or it could be insurance. 
and then mm -hmm. distributing insurance because I was able to identify the uh, problems. Uh, distributing okay. insurance. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, so uh, do you think the farmers are much better off uh, compared to five or ten years ago in terms of making the choices in terms of what crops to grow, uh, how to manage the entire uh, uncertainty of the weather? What would your mm -hmm. understanding be? I think on a macro basis, this country is better off because now everybody knows well before season is monsoon is going to be good or bad. That did not happen before climate came in. Okay. 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 Now, with our uh, uh, relationship with Geo, will be on every mobile phone. We'll be able to micro forecast in a very uh, high geographical resolution. Okay. Okay. But typically, yeah. Jatin, what I understand is your weather forecasting or rain forecasting is very accurate in twenty-four hour, forty-eight hours kind of a time span. But if somebody is to plan seven days or thirty days in advance, uh, would that be reliable for them to look at? I would. Fifteen-day forecast is actually very good. So if you okay. want to see a dry blood spell, you can actually use it quite effectively. And then our seasonal kind of things, you know, that over the next 20 days, especially in monsoon, so is the onset going mm -hmm. to be late? Is it going to be staggered? Yeah. Is it going to pick up later? Yeah. All those are very yeah. important inputs uh, for any kind of activity. It could be power as well as farmers. Okay, okay. So uh, given that there is so much uncertainty of the weather, but I believe we've had record crops uh, in terms of 2020. So what do you attribute that to? Uh, because you've had two back-to-back -back good monsoons. I attribute that okay. to the fact that there was water. It's a very, I told you, rain-fed, right? So once water falls relatively evenly or in abundantly, the, the food production always goes up despite floods and damages in parts. It okay. is below normal and droughty as food production actually goes down. Okay, okay, okay. So and we can expect a good 2021? It's also 2020 also looking good. It's uh, it seems to be another La Nina ish year. So I, I think that would be really good for the economy in the monsoon. Uh, and okay. rural India. Excellent. Excellent. So have you seen rural India's prosperity go up over the last two years because of the good monsoons and the good crops? Has there been uh, a difference? You see, uh, yes. I mean, uh, you know, during the pandemic, it's, it's the agriculture that has done the best in the past two years, if you think about it. And now with the okay. commodity okay. starting, prices up, uh, um, your mustard prices up. I think that is also, you know, you need a combination of high productivity and, and good prices to make it really good. But if you see it, sure. last, are showing that has been the one of the best sectors. It's been inert to the pandemic because everybody wanted the bare essentials. Oh, absolutely. Sure. That is fair. That is fair. fair enough. Uh, and coming to uh, the impact your work is creating with other sectors like oil and gas or something else, would you like to highlight some example which will be really, you know, kind uh, of an eye-opener for all of us? Work with power we've done a lot of uh, shipping work. Uh, we've helped uh, oil and gas uh, companies, especially ONGC, deal with cyclones and things. Uh, and okay. uh, we work with uh, REC and Tata Power in, uh, for them to manage their... Uh, uh, their uh, the Haryana power distribution. Uh, then we work uh, with the. Uh, then we worked with the. Uh, then we worked with uh, Sterilite in smart cities. We've also done a lot of work in air pollution with Kurgaon Metropolitan uh, Development Authority. We work with uh, Saharanpur Smart City. You know, so it's it's through from air pollution to uh, to oil and gas to. Uh, you know, uh, to to uh, renewable power to non-renewable power in in all sectors. 
So, um, Jatin, you mentioned about smart cities uh, a few times. So, do you think that's the answer to a lot of the challenges we're facing if that is done right? I think definitely IoT and sensing is here. I think people themselves, everything is you have your your security system, your water system, your fridge, your you know everything is getting connecting and becoming smarter, and that's going to go into the civil infrastructure also, which is a great thing. You'll be able to manage your water, your power, your sewage, mm-hmm. uh, very very uh, effectively, and that should reduce your carbon footprint uh, massively. You know the and it's it's going to come okay. everything. Everything is going to have a chip on it. Everything is going to become smarter. Everything will switch off when it does not need to work. Everything will switch on when it only needs to work. Take lights at home. If it can sense movement, it switches yeah. on. So you know, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Again, that that you are consuming less, leading a better life, using technology, creating a service. I think that's a good example of that. You know, do I need so much power? You know, it's like you know, do I need a car all the time parked downstairs? No, I only need a car when I need to go from point A to point B. So it's a shared resource. Sure, that is right. Sure, fair enough. So technology can be one of the answers in terms of how we use things, how we reduce our consumption, how we sense our levels of the natural resources and things like that. And I think that would lead the way going forward. But uh, Jatin, before we go, a couple of small in talk. You know, we discussed a lot about how millennials are looking at things, and you know, India is at a cusp in terms of the next level of growth, attracting a lot of global attention now with pandemic uh, and as an alternative to China. So, what would your advice be to policymakers in terms of how do we balance out? Uh, really, you know, it's a fine rope uh, between you know development and uh, ecology. And we see a lot of examples recently. We had the Uttarakhand floods, where a power plant was being set up, which the locals opposed. So, how do we really balance these things at a macro level? I think renewable energy is the way to go. I think uh, old economy energy sources like uh, uh, coal, and I would even say hydropower, because hydropower creates so much of a disturbance. You know, you have to have a catchment area, you have to move people, you have to drill through mountains, water channels have, have to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm a great fan of you. Safe new fusion power. You know, it's mm. manage it and you keep it safe. You keep it isolated. You can generate a huge amount of power. I definitely for I mean, solar is the way to go and solarize everything. Like our homes should have significant amount of solar. Rural has tremendous amount of solar uh, uh, adoption. No, the adoption. Are you saying rural? Yeah. Yeah. People okay. Solar, you know, cookers, solar chargers. There's a solar panel for their lights. How many of us wow. really? Have, you know, this can be built into the building code, for instance. Right, right. So I think uh, uh, solar. Uh, I, I think you know an industrial. I, though I understand there is this huge thing that you're not looking at the carbon footprint that goes into uh, uh, the the uh, manufacturing of a battery. But you know, I, we have unexplored mines in Jharkhand and Karnataka and Mandya. Where you could create a very nice tight uh-huh. ecosystem battery production, you know, and and then you know and and then go get into solar, you probably save more. I think that the vision is there, but getting out of the grip of fossil fuels is so political. The surpluses are so huge. I understand the, the problems. You everything gets distorted because of politics. Politics is is run by people who have money. So, but the yeah. movement to solar is is, is renewable solar battery. You know, let's talk about you know, for example, how in India, the handful rickshaw has gone into these uh, lead-acid battery uh, things all over, especially in small towns. That's right. An example where if I tie up with solar sources, I'm providing transport at a much lower cost to a larger number of people, and increasing their opportunity as opposed to 
petrol pumps and pipelines and tankers and uh, emissions. Sure. I also think that in this country, water needs to be priced more effectively, even for rural and agriculture. That there is has to be a very clear distinction, which is happening. But you know, it's political, and the moment you start to do anything with farmers, it becomes very, very hard to deal with. But something needs to needs and needed to be done. You cannot have free power. Punjab spends all its money on free power. How can power be free? Mm. 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 Sure. I mean, you have to price them uh, appropriately. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's always abused. Yeah. Yeah, we have food for life, as uh, a water for life, and then water for consumption. You know. I lost you in between. So I said before we close, uh, water is something which we all talk about. The next war will be war, fought over water. And you mentioned about water pricing. Could you touch upon a bit on other aspects because water is really becoming a challenge, in, you know, in urban areas. Yeah, water is becoming a challenge. I mean, we had this whole. See, the problem is that our technology allows us to ride through problems. You know, all boring motors, pipes. Oh. 2019, Chennai was on the verge, like completely dry. There was no water left. You remember, 2019, and now we've forgotten. What did we do? That's right. You know, you know, are we pricing water more effectively? Are we conserving? Are we putting a limit to how much water we can use? Are we not destroying a natural water resource? The ponds and lakes and building on top of them did that stop? Look at Bangalore. You know, look at the wetlands that dotted Rajasthan, Haryana, and Delhi. Where are they? Because you can suck water from some other. You know, the the exploitation of ground. Though there are multiple rules around it. we still don't get you know so you know we have water constraints then we go we dig deeper we get more water then we have water constraints then we go we dig deeper true so water, humans are ingenious so they find ways of dealing with it like go we dig deeper again you know i mean in tamil nadu water is available for over 1000 feet people are still you know boring and taking it out sure sure so that limit try to stop it there are 1000 people on the streets true It's not an easy That's choice. Yeah. yeah, and it's also both right, right? As we believe to exploit nature and the natural resources. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, Jatin, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, so, before we uh, let you go, uh, what would your message be for our viewers in terms of what can we do in our personal life to bring about a change? We spoke a lot of stuff about less consumption, but is there a strong message that you would like to leave our viewers with? uh i it was rather controversial but eat less meat okay uh, <laughs> buy fewer clothes mm-hmm. you know uh, travel smartly try to use more public transport walk bicycle uh you know try to buy things especially food items that are you know uh, grown locally rather than imported from i mean eat exotic in the exotic <laughs> you know i mean if you make these simple choices try to you know if for example addiction to air conditioning is march and i see people using air conditioning like really right you you cannot live in 22 yeah. degrees celsius fathers have never lived like that you don't need it why it doesn't yeah. you get used to it and sure. you need to realize you feel hotter now because you've cut all the trees you've made buildings so there That's is no wind if you go to area you don't feel that hot even in 45 degrees celsius And you sleep Very out, true. and you sleep outside on the terrace. In the veranda, yeah. Sleep so well, it's cool. Always, yeah. even in Rajasthan, Gujarat, 
so called or even if i go to karimnagar and andhra at night it's pleasant it, there was right. the 19 delhi before the 1984 riots people used to sleep on the terrace for years i'm not asking you to sleep on the terrace i'm just saying that a lot of people live very satisfied happy lives by using doing that or for instance in peak summer use a cooler no why do you need to have yes. a two time what we used to do earlier yes yeah. it makes a little noise very nice true yeah but it's far more refreshing <laughs> to be honest it is yeah. fair enough making smart choices yes being more frugal being more aware i think that's the way to go jatin it's been a pleasure having you on your show thank you so much for joining us on another episode of bench talk thank Take you care. have a good day bye bye